Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's play a little game of Mary Dater Dump. <laughs> Since this is a story of a love triangle. So Mary Dater Dump, which is, of course, is the G-rated version of the other one. Right. Um, Amneris, Rodimus, Aida. Hmm. I think that's so clear, right? I mean, it's pretty clear or for me. clear? No, it's clear. It's clear. Obviously, <laughs> we're marrying Aida. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dating... Rodimus, just because, like, yeah. he's a little wishy-washy. And then Amneris, obviously, <laughs> she gets got the dump? to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> obviously, has got to go. Why she got to go? Dress has always been my fun. Like, I'm cool. That's... Like, I don't know what conversations we're about to have. And, like, <laughs> I yeah, don't know if I'm willing to spend that much time <laughs> on her with her. <laughs> I, got you. I got you. She She's come around, though. Yeah, she comes around, but, like, I feel like the base... Yeah, she grows a lot throughout mm-hmm. the story. I mean, she grows the most she out of all of the them, most, you might say. But I still get this high-strung flavoring that I just don't really want to deal with on the daily. You know what I mean? I When I thought about this, I was going to go marry Amneris because she doesn't take herself too seriously. Okay, Unlike okay, those okay, other okay, two okay, okay. who yeah, are like... Yeah, they are really emo. Uh, they're emo. They're so emo. But I'm emo, so I'm like ready to be like <laughs> on the boats, like talking about life. You know what? We're not even in a tomb. Let's just turn out the lights yeah. in our bedroom and pretend... <laughs> that we're in a that tomb we're in a together. Tomb forever. <laughs> uh, and I dump Rodimus because he's a little whiny. Yeah. And I date Aida you. because I she's you. cool. I mean, she is cool. cool. But no marriage. Is it, it's too serious. She's too serious. I think she might be a little too... too I think she might intimidate the crap out of me, to be yeah. honest. I'm Whereas here for I, Aida because it's lessons, and I feel like it always be like, you're slightly like cooler than me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a G, I'm a G, I'm a G. Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of, of some of our favorite musicals and of some of our favorite, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite shows in musical history, something like that. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, I got Brittany Campbell in hey. the studio with me. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. We're talking about Aida. Aida. Did you warm up today? Because Aida. I. F- 
<laughs> if I could afford the copyright, I would just force you to sing the to score. To sing the whole <laughs> from beginning like, to end. Ladies and gentlemen, and now Ooh, track seven. That would be so rough. <laughs> so much made up things, but you know. Now you have Hamilton roots. Yeah. You're my first Hamilton guest on the really? podcast. Yeah. There's so many of us now, I feel like. It's a whole. It's that's a, like impossible. It's a, it's a whole like generation. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I'm happy to be the first. Yeah. Thank you for coming How on. How do you feel about when, that? When did you? <laughs> How do you feel emotionally right now? I feel uh, seen. <laughs> I feel woke. And validated. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how do we feel about woke Aida? Woke Aida? Yeah. Like, do we think that in, like, the new quote-unquote revival that's not totally a revival because it's just actually a tour? I don't know. That's like, what's going to be is, interesting Is a white girl going to be on Maris? I do not know. I don't know what this cast is looking like. It's yeah. going to be—I'm interested to see their approach. I hope that they make it all sorts of— Colors. Yeah, I hope it's not like the classic black and white thing because thank you. It's a that's little... just weird to put that on that story. A yeah, and B. And I feel like Egyptians are like, we're not white. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's weird to put a black and white thing on the story that is in Africa. Yeah. So let's make it like all sorts of colors. Fair enough. That's what I feel. I dig it. Yeah. I did a production of Aida really? in college, which we're, Who are you? we're talking we're talking Brigham Young University in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you in the in this version I was, of the music? I was an uh, ensemble dance captain. That's my baby. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> shows in school. Right. I mean, it's basically a class. So it's three months of rehearsal. You know, of it's like vigorous rehearsal. It's a long like, period. And I, re- I, sp- I specifically remember during the run of that show thinking, I think I need to graduate and start getting paid for this. Making some coin for this. Because this is too much. I'm not sure this is worth it anymore. (laughs) I feel you entirely. The only thing that I like, I loved doing musicals in high school because my high school was like intense about it. Yeah, And would like let us skip a lot of school. Oh my God, I probably shouldn't be saying well, so I'm, that we can what, rehearse. Because like a football player's never been able exactly, to skip classes. Exactly. Come on, Art. Step back. <laughs> That's great. You are a native New Yorker. Yeah. Born Brooklyn? And yeah, flip, Flatbush. Flipbush. Flatbush. Flatbush? Yeah. That's like Fran Fine, the nanny, right? Is she from Flatbush? I thought she was, like, from Queens for some reason. Flushing. Oh, she's from, you're right. She's She's from from Flushing, Flushing Queens. Queens. Yes. Mabel from Mac and Mabel's from Flatbush. I don't know Mac and Mabel. What's Mac and Mabel? Look what happened to Mabel. It's a Jerry Herman show about, (laughs) like. I don't know Mac and Mabel. Mac and Mabel. It was a flop. What's another Jerry Herman show? Hello, Dolly. Mame. Lacage Ofo. Is she loves me, Jerry Herman? No, that's Jerry Bach. Also a Jerry. there was a Jerry. (laughs) She Loves Me is the show that we talk about almost every episode of this. Really? I don't know why it always comes up. It's because it's so beloved. I mean, like, I love that show. Yeah, it's It's, a great show. It's got gorgeous music. And fantastic characters. Come on. There's nothing to not like about She Loves Me. If there was, like, any classic musical that I would ever want to do, it would be that. I would love to see it. And you'd want to be Amalia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to sing those songs. That would like, be Will He awesome. Like Me is like my favorite musical theater <sighs> song. Kill it. 
<laughs> do it. Do it now. Do it now. Let's get the producers. You did Eliza Doolittle, right? I did. I that, did and how it. was that experience? It was crazy. You know, I went to the audition thinking, like, I'm not about to get this, so let me put, like, a sort of stronger spin on her because that is if I was going to be Liza Doolittle that was what the approach was going to be just because right. like who is that girl I'm not going to pretend yeah, to do Audrey Hepburn what Hepper. is that no no right. and we're not there anymore and like yeah. so I went in there I did what I did and like it turned out that the director Alan Souza was just as kind of bored with the story because he had done it a lot he'd even played Freddie at one point oh wow and was looking to kind of do this new thing. And he kind of said when I came in, he was like, okay, this is like, this This is what we're going to do with this production, with this my, my 100th production of My Fair Lady. Like, this is going to be yes. the approach. But it ended up being kind of an amazing thing, especially because we were, you know, so close to Washington, D.C. And, mm. you know, I also wasn't expecting so many people to be upset at having the role of Eliza Doolittle as a black woman. So many people upset, which was... Just, like, personally offended. Like, writing letters to the only theater. I mean, like, I just don't think that this role needs to be ever played by a black woman, which was just, like, so eye-opening. I bet. To me, yeah. It's just weird when you have those moments... As an American where you're just like, oh, this is this is where I'm living. This mm-hmm. is where we're at. Okay. Well, I think sometimes we we, we get in a bubble, especially mm-hmm. with our social media. Yeah. There's quite a big part of the population that you don't talk to, that right. you, you don't really coexist with, <clears throat> despite all of our coexist bumper stickers. Right. To be doing this at the time, what was it, 2017, made us all feel ultimately good. Yeah. You know, the cast and crew that we were doing something that was pushing <laughs> the world, not the world, but yeah. this place in America forward, you know? I kind of feel like if you're not pissing somebody off... Then oh, you're not doing anything. What is not, the point? What, no. You know? Yeah. And I get scared with with theater when, you know, I look out into the audience and see that it's mostly, like, older white people that can see it. And so a part of me goes like, oh, is this... And a genre of entertainment that is sort of stale and hasn't, you know, moved anywhere. So when you get an opportunity to do something like uh, a classical piece like My Fair Lady and, like, take a new spin on it, it's exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. And did you realize you could kind of sing anything at an early age? No, I was just sort of singing. Like, I, um, the first thing I ever, the first time I was just telling my friend this, the first time I ever sang in front of a bunch of people was at uh, Carnegie Hall for an opera competition. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, the first time time I ever sang in front of people. Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall. (laughs) (laughs) The ghosts are like, welcome to the stage. (laughs) Hey, hey, girl. So you want to do this? Yeah. (laughs) That was my first experience singing in front of a significant audience. And And you were never nervous again. For some reason, I've never felt nervous on stage. Nervous if I'm ever, like, in in the type of show where there's, like, 50 people there and, like, Mm -hmm. it's very intimate. Intimate. That makes me very nervous, but never on stage. Yeah. And then what was your first professional gig? Like, as an adult? Yeah, like as a graduated... As a graduate... Oh, I did a Carolina Change at the Human Race Theater in Dayton, Ohio. How cool. And did you get your equity card from that? No, I got... I had my equity card 
since I was like nine years old. I'm sorry. How did you get? When did you? Hmm? So I got my. <laughs> I was in. The, You're um, a professional kid. How did I not know this? Yeah, I was a professional kid. So going back. Yeah. Did that thing at Carnegie Hall, yes. then got recruited to the Metropolitan Opera. In the Metropolitan Opera, there was a kids' choir. And oh. most of those kids were, like, Broadway kids. Okay. And so the parents got talking. My mom got talking to the stage moms. And, like, was like, oh, let's, like, go on these Broadway auditions. And I ended up in a show called The Civil War. Stop it. <laughs> are you ready for this? What? You are not ready for what this. What are you about to spill? I was there... The closing performance of the what? Civil War. That's insane. I had got my tickets, you know, months in advance, and it just happened to be the very That's last insane. one. That's insane. Do you remember Cheryl Freeman? Yes, of course. Yeah. She was like a if big deal to were me. Horses, horses, all of us would ride. And ever I'd be Listen, by your side. Can I tell you that woman was like my idol and she was so cool really yeah she was really cool to me like she was like she gave she gave that show some meat and Mm -hmm. soul and bones and everything Mm -hmm. i loved her and i i do love her because i mean who's tommy she's acid queen she's also like one of the muses in hercules did you know that uh, yes of course let's go through them shall we Because I love those women, man. Those women were everything. That's why I was such a fangirl. And I never fangirl, but I was, like, obsessed with it. Like, a nine-year-old me was, like... That's I so would cool. live in her dressing I, so, room. So like, I'm like, oh, did you get your equity card out of college? You're like, no, it was actually my Broadway debut when I was nine. How did I not know this? What did you do in Civil War? So probably by that time that you saw it, my role no longer existed. Really? I played... This little angel and I came out and opened the show with this with this song that also ended the show. They decided that it no longer works. And was that the song that Linda Edder sings at the end of the concept album? Probably. She, it's I'm like this prayer go. song for all of the fallen. We will all you have done as we try to carry on. Does it go like that? I can't remember, but I'm just enjoying this a lot. I'm just, I'm like literally like having a, a flashback. Uh, the fields are green, and da 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 da, and oh, so far from here. I can't remember what the song is called, but I remember I that. Well, it sounds part gorgeous. Of it. <laughs> awesome. I started yeah. out in community theater. That's awesome too, though. Community we did theater state is fair. lit. Um, <laughs> You did State Fair? Yeah. What's I was that so, like? I was so proud of that show. What's that giving you? What's that giving you? Is that giving you like... <clears throat> well, it was... Now that I look back on it, doing shows was, oh, number one, so fun because mm-hmm. I found my tribe. And I'm... Because I'm from the small farm town in Utah. And yet it was filled with artistic people who love to get together and put on shows. Cool. And so I totally had my tribe and, and people who I loved and who supported me and... But then on top of it, it's a small farm town. So to do a show like State Fair as a boy who discovered dance by going to the county fair, literally. See, that's amazing. I went to the county fair with my family and there were some cloggers, like, you know, clogging, which is kind of like tap dancing, but very country western. And we had we had tried really hard to find my niche, like <laughs> something like, something that I could he, do. What is he into? Come yeah, on. like we tried T-ball, we tried karate, we tried soccer. Nothing As the was, parents do. Yeah, and I saw the cloggers and I pointed to him and said, I think I want to try that. 
And God bless my parents. They were like, all right, let's do it. That's amazing. Mm, That just made my heart all tingly. (laughs) He's all the cloggers. And he said, that's what I want to do. Give me that fringe. That's that glittery (laughs) fringe. I was, I had the sparkliest costumes. I was obsessed with sequins. Yeah. My mom still has them in the closet because how could you like throw those things away? That needs to be a museum one day. Like behind glass. Like that's. I'm expecting oh, this. Maybe we could put them in Aida at some point in, <laughs> yeah. during the well, fashion show. Let's like show. find a way. There you go. Um, uh, did you do any other Broadway shows as a kid? I did a Christmas Carol, which at was at Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden, where I dated Andrew Keenan Bolger. No, he was my, fir- <laughs> he was my first boyfriend. <laughs> my first. Real kiss and my first boyfriend. Yes, Andrew. Come on, Andrew Tina Bolger. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Isn't that crazy? Anything else you wanted to blow my mind with while we're on this? What else can I tell you? What was it like being a professional kid? Because I was like a kid who loved theater, but was it the same for you? And then, like, mom just took care of the contracts and stuff? Yeah, mom took care of the contracts. I was very much just like, oh, we're just like here, we're just like living. I didn't like. It wasn't, I just love to sing, so right. it wasn't, So and you, it was just a good time. So you're showing up to the St. James like I was showing up to Heritage Community Theater. Yeah, how can, I mean. How can you understand anything else other than what it is? But some of those kids did, though. Really? Some of those kids were pressed for cash, but I, they were. Some of those kids were, like, were pressed. Like, I am the breadwinner yes, for my family. yes. Ooh, and I think some of, some of those families were so ingrained. Yeah, my, my, my family's from Jamaica. I'm first generation. Like, they didn't really know anything about the, the bi- arts, the biz, really. Yeah, yeah, the business at all. So I was just coming from a completely different perspective. And was there ever a moment where you're, you were like, forget it, I'm not doing this? Probably around 16, I got really, like, just annoyed with the whole auditioning thing. Like, yeah. I just wanted a moment... And I, I even took a a break after I graduated for a while, to be honest, well, just to do music. Good. You know? And the, you do. You've got a lot of music because you've got, got your solo stuff. Of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, and then now how many? Now we have Mermaid. Right. And yeah. that's you and? And Candace. And Candace. My girlfriend. Voices of angels, these ladies. Well, it was just so weird. Like, you know, we, we started the band before we were together, but very... <laughs> Very much towards the end of our friendship, but, you know, we kind of... Pre-romance. Pre-romance. This was while you were in Hamilton? This is while we were in Hamilton. And we were just kind of, like, always weirded out any time we were in rehearsal together by how well our voices blended and also just how similar overall they were. And I kind of was like, yeah, we have to do something with that. That's, like, just weird. Mm -hmm. We sound like... We sound like we're sisters. <laughs> the Skylar sisters. <laughs> Gross. Whatever. What else was going to happen? That's, a, that's really cool, though. Yeah. Okay. So, Aida, it was written in 1996, originally. Okay. And it was based on the, the Verdi opera. Had Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Uh-huh. I saw it once. And she was played by a white woman in blackface. Not like blackface. It was tan face. But like tan giving face. you tan face. Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> and this was not that long ago. This was 
I believe it. No, I no, believe it in what? 2000. It had to have been after 2000. It had to yeah. have been after the musical idea because that's the reason I went to the opera was because of, of the, the musical, musical, which is what I've and done with most operas. And this woman is in brown face. I'm dead. And if she ran downstage one more time and with this like <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, melodramatic high note, I was going to stand up and throw something. I was like <laughs> so over it. And then Radames was this like portly... Because most Verdi yeah, tenors yeah. are. I'm like, what is happening with this art form? Opera world is in a completely different like realm it is. of life. <laughs> and they're kind of the last to the party in terms of authentic casting because yep. it's always been the voice. It's mm-hmm. always been who can sing the role, not who, who... is appropriate mm-hmm. for the role. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way it'll always sort of be like that because it's just such like a, a traditional, traditional world mm-hmm. you know an artisan world yeah like you said the voice comes first it, i don't think there is a world in which diversity will take precedence over that over that yeah over the music if that makes sense yeah, yeah. and the thing is like i had an opportunity to go further in that and i think it really is a genre that you have to be obsessed with mm. to devote cuz it does take a very devout person to sing in that way mm-hmm. all the time and, like, to be ready f- at any moment's notice any to moment make that to kind of that? sound. Yeah. So the, enter Le- uh, sorry, Leotine Price. Mm-hmm. Aida became her role. She was probably the first black soprano to be taken seriously. Right. And uh, she played Aida forever and became known as kind of a quintessential Ver- Verdi soprano. Right. She writes a children's story version of Aida because it's oh, like I had her no role. Idea. Yeah. And Disney buys that children's book and it becomes the basis of the musical Aida. You just blew my mind. <laughs> I had no idea. I Crazy, had right? no idea. They originally bought it sure. to be an animated film. Yeah. And they had had such a success with Elton John and Tim Rice with on Lion, Lion King, King yeah. that they asked them to to do this story as well. They agreed, but Elton wasn't feeling the animated film. He wanted it to just be a musical. So when Walt Disney Theatricals was like, okay, well, let's develop it strictly for the stage, Elton was like, two thumbs up, let's do it. And it went forward. <laughs> I wonder why he wasn't interested in an animated film. I think he wanted to make something that was more serious, and it is. Okay, I mean, when you yeah. think about this, like the themes of the story, they're. I mean, they're pretty grown up. They're also you know sprinkled with other little Disney entertainment offerings. Sure. But it, it, it's more grown up than your your average Disney cartoon. For of, sure. It gets written in 1996. It doesn't get produced really, though, until 1998 okay. in Atlanta. And it was called Elaborate Lives, colon, The Legend of Aida. That was the... <laughs> that is so extra. It was very Elaborate extra. Elaborate Lives, colon. I think that is kind of what they realized through this Atlanta tryout, which wasn't very well received. It had this oh, huge, really? it had this huge like million dollar pyramid, not the game show, in the center of the stage that would like unfold like an Easter yeah. egg sort of thing and go back together and turn around and reveal different sides. And it was constantly breaking down, even on open <laughs> night. No. Yeah. And then the costumes were all very literal, like very kind of what you would think of as like an ancient, old Hollywood Egyptian. Ancient Egyptian yes. flick. Yeah. And so it ended up looking a little 
cheesy. Okay. I think everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the pyramid opening, closing in the back, and everybody giving you the Ten Commandments. Exactly. In the okay. Yeah. Now the original creative team on this production was the Beauty and the Beast team. Okay. Uh, so the book was written by Linda Wolverton. It was directed by Roth. What's his name? Something Jess Roth. Robert Jess Roth, I think. And then, the, like, the costumes, I, I'm pretty sure everybody was Beauty and the Beast. Right. It shuts down. It reopens in Chicago the okay. next year in 1999 with a new team, Robert Falls, who is over the the Goodman Theater okay. in Chicago, takes over as director. He had won a Tony Award for Death of a Salesman. So, like, uh, yeah. Okay. So, like, he's <laughs> he keeps mounting... The Iceman cometh, Death of the Salesman, yeah, yeah, yeah. like kind of these, these older deep, type shows. So he takes over as director. They get Wayne Salento, who uh, choreographed Wicked later, right. but also original cast member of Chorus Line, to choreograph. They get uh, Bob Crowley to redo all of the designs, both for scenic design and costume design. Yeah. And then it opens in Chicago with this new team and a new Rodemaze. That's when Adam Pascal joins, joins. the team. But it's Who's just Aida at this point. Heather Headley. It Heather was Headley. always Heather Headley. So let's talk a little bit about Heather Headley. She's born in Trinidad. Yeah. She moves to, I believe, Indiana at the age of fifteen. She moved to Indiana? Yeah. Okay. So like she's this island girl mm-hmm. showing up in the, <laughs> in Indiana at fifteen and starts just like doing theater there locally. And from there she she graduates high school, goes to college, I think, to Northwestern, but okay. drops out to join the cast of Ragtime because Ragtime was <gasps> this show that was trying out in Toronto. Okay. So she was the Sarah cover. I think probably I think probably LaShawn's was Sarah at that point. Okay. And so she was the Sarah cover and in the ensemble. Yeah. She's kind of making a splash for herself, and it, the word gets passed around. Disney gobbles her up and has puts her in The Lion King. As Nala. So she makes her Broadway debut as Nala in The right. Lion King and is fantastic, sings the crap yeah, out of Shadowlands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, from there becomes Aida. Yeah. That's a really quick trajectory for her from like Trinidad born I mean, girl because to she's Broadway such, star. She's such like. I, I never got a chance to see Aida. I, you know, I didn't. I have never seen. Lion King. I finally got a chance to see Heather Headley in The Color Purple. Oh, when she took over after <laughs> J-Hud left? Yes. <laughs> it was the craziest. She has the craziest energy. It's almost like an animal, and you can't help but be completely focused. And then to see her with Cynthia Riva, whatever. It was just like, I don't think I've experienced a show like that. That's so never. cool. Like, I've never been so in my my spirit. Aww. <laughs> you know, seriously. I love seriously. It. My gosh. Yeah, she's... She's a force. Just magical, yeah. She steps on stage and she looks like a goddess. Yeah, it's just as, like, golden embers are, like, just, like, flowing from her. It's, it's, it's strange. Completely commanding. This role is just meant for yeah. her. We love our, our Heather Headley. <laughs> our Heather Headley. Uh, and she ends up winning the Tony Award for this show. Right. And then kind of goes to the R&B world. And, and, yeah. and she she's won some Grammys mm-hmm. for her solo work. And then Amneris is played by Sherry Renee Scott, also from the beginning. Right. She's, at that point, she's just Sherry Scott. 
Oh yeah. In Atlanta, and okay. then at some point before she gets to Broadway, She's like, let's add that. We gotta add hey. the name. <laughs> and like the first time I became aware of her, she was Sally Simpson in the the Who's Tommy with Cheryl Freeman. Yes. And then she becomes the Amneris. I think Ellen John just becomes obsessed with her. And oh, how could you not be? Because I love that. Okay, so I saw Aida. You saw Aida. Yeah, I saw. How it. did you feel about it? I was obsessed. Okay. I felt like how. I always thought women felt about soap operas, sure. like watching their stories. <laughs> I was I was so in it. I immediately went and bought my cast album yes. in the theater, listened to it in the hotel room while I was falling asleep. Oh, my god! It's gosh. one of those that you can just, like, listen to it doing anything. I used yeah. to literally just spend hours on my mom's bed just, like, listening to the album on repeat. Okay, so that that's kind of—oh, and then it opens— um, is a huge smash, runs for like four years. Right. Uh, a lot of people come through the show. Deborah Cox. Deborah Cox, yes. I forgot of, about that. Voice of a goddess, speaking of. And Tony Braxton, they lower in all those keys. Wait, did Tony Braxton get to play Aida? Yeah. <laughs> what? There's some stuff That's online. Crazy. It's like, crazy. <laughs> That's a. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's like the first thing I'm gonna do when I get home is look up these bootlegs sorry about it not sorry <laughs> 90s R&B is my jam um, because it's the best point of R&B the best point like the waiting to exhale soundtrack baby face I was like- literally just talking about this the other day <laughs> how are you gonna get Shaka Khan Aretha Franklin Whitney Houston one album Brandy um, Mary J, Monica, like we got everybody showing Tony, up. Yeah, it's like the greatest soundtrack of all time. Let it flow. Yeah, let the it flow. flow. <laughs> let it flow. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Th- that's why Aida comes at this perfect time <laughs> for me. I think because I had right. It's like full circle. Mm-hmm. It's like okay. Let's talk about the the Tony Awards before we go through the the show itself. It doesn't get nominated for best musical. Okay. The nominees for Best Musical are Contact, that the dance show yeah. by Susan Stroman, James Joyce's The Dead, which is kind of like a musicalized version of that short, famous short story by James Joyce, Swing, which is another okay. dance show, and The Wild Party, Michael John Lacuse's Wild Party, which I love, which I love, I love right? So... It's interesting That's that there, interesting, are, there are two dance, dance shows, shows. Yeah. nominated for Best Musical. But that being said, Aida ties with Contact as the musical that wins the most Tony Awards that night. Interesting. So it's crazy. It wins four of the five Tony Awards that it was nominated for, but it didn't get nominated for Best Musical. Yeah, I think that's like... Do you think that that's Broadway just being like yeah, on Disney? Yeah, I think that's Disney? like a political thing, as award shows are, mm-hmm. you know? Because I don't think it deserved the best musical Tony Award, right? Like, but, but I a think nomination, it, I think it probably should have sure. gotten nominated over like Swing. Yeah, I mean Aida. Like, it's hard. It's hard for me to to speak on it because I don't know the book, the and book. I hear varying things. Well, not varying yeah. things. I hear one thing about the book. That it's is not, not great. Really great. Yeah. No. There are things about the show that are not great. Yeah. But the other stuff that is so good. Now, if you had, <sighs> I, I also have heard, if you had Aida with minus Heather Headley, it's also it like might be a little rougher. not 
Yeah. That's true. I only no, because I mean I did do it. I also got food poisoning during that production of Aida. <laughs> How did you and why did you get food poisoning? I don't. I, don't, I think it was it was college. You were it, living your life, I, I eating. Li- the I things. probably just ate some bad eggs that <laughs> were in the refrigerator. Yeesh. But um, yeah, it was. I, I was supposed to be on stage dancing "Dance of the Robe," and I was like instead puking into the toilet. No. Yeah. Because I'm like the sound guy doesn't know what's happening, and I don't want the audience to suffer. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, terrible. Maybe, maybe that's why I was like, I gotta get paid for this. I gotta get paid, never again. Um, But I don't. I can't think of another show that wasn't nominated for best musical that ran for four years and was a huge financial success. Yeah, I can't think of it. And what's also interesting is that even though it was a huge financial success, it it is still the only show that. Walt Disney Theatricals has produced that wasn't a film first. What do you think? On what do you think about it made it so compelling to people? I mean, it's called Elton John and Tim yeah. Rice's Aida. Yeah, like it, it wasn't even Disney's Aida. So I think Elton was really hot at that point, right? And then I think people were really hungry for Heather Headley. That's what I think too. Like, like we we needed a new star needed, in New yeah. in, on Broadway, and for her to sound so unique. And be so powerful and charismatic. Yeah, that's like it. That's it. And it also didn't look like any other show. Oh, really? Yeah. What did it look like? It was incredibly colorful. I think it was really surprising. The lights. I remember seeing specific musical numbers Uh and thinking, oh, I love this song. And then I realized, oh, like, I don't love that song. I just love the lighting. Sure. Like, that's how good the lighting design was. It was so intricate and interesting. Cool. Okay, let's actually no, talk. I ab- wish I saw let's, it. let's talk about the show because I'll talk a little bit about these things. One of the things that I think Robert Falls brought to the show is this bookended thing mm-hmm. of the museum. Because when the show starts, right, it's every song, yeah. and that's in and the please feel free to <gasps> sing. Just, sorry, that's, the how, entire that's score. how it's going to be. Yeah, I'm I love just, it. Like going through it because all I know is it is it from the song, the track so, listing. Yeah. So it it begins in this museum, and yeah. you have Amneris, who's like this queen princess okay, right. in glass, and she's like you know posed, oh, cool. uh, just wearing the costume, but then she's actually the character, mm-hmm. and you have modern day Aida Rodames mm-hmm. going through the museum. Okay, yeah. Like reincarnated versions of themselves. Just their souls. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. And they're looking at her, at Amneris, Mm -hmm. and then their eyes meet. And then that is when she goes, This is a story of a love. (laughs) (laughs) And first huge lighting change, right? Uh And she steps forward to kind of tell, you know, this story. Yeah. And this is when I'll I'll give some serious props to Sherry Renee Scott. We were so focused on her delivering this as she's stepping forward and doing all of her riffy, cool stuff that the museum completely disappears. (laughs) Cool. And now we're in ancient Egypt, and I didn't see it happen at all. And I was like, theater (gasps) magic! (laughs) And I think from that moment, because that was such a seamless, like, beautiful opening, I was in. Granted, I'm also a teenager at this point. (laughs) So you're like gagged, like yes. living. Yes. Yes, that's so cute. So she introduces us to Egypt. Egypt 
is at war with Nubia mm-hmm. because of the Nile River. And Egypt wants full control of the river, so they're dominating Nubia. Right. Then we meet Rodimes, who's like the captain of the guard. He's the son of the chief minister of Egypt and is next in line to the throne. Why Rodimes is, is the next weird. to the throne and not his father, who's the chief minister, yeah. I find strange. But we do meet Rodimes, and he is... <laughs> He's like, he's, he's, he's got a really gravelly voice. Yeah. We have swept to glory. <laughs> <laughs> he sings Fortune Favors the Brave. Now, these Tim Rice lyrics throughout the show tend to be a little cerebral for my taste. Like, sure. like you want to hear what I'm thinking? What are you thinking? Here it is. Give and it to the, me. And then the character says exactly <laughs> what they're thinking. So, like, there's not a lot of imagery. There's not, it's, it's like... I'm here and I, my life is set and I'm feeling this and And I'm conquering things and it's really great. So we meet Rodimaze. We learn that fortune favors the brave. And then at the end of the song, his like one of his minions says, look, we found all of these Nubians on like the shore near the water. And Rodimaze is like, you're not very smart. We're at war right now. What are you doing? Well, we're going to take you captive and you're going to be our slaves now. But little does he know that among these slaves is yes. one Miss Aida, yeah. who is princess, the princess of the Nubians. But they're all protecting her because if they know it's really the princess. Right. She's dead. She's dead. Yeah. Instead, however, she picks up a sword and starts what fine with the dude. But that's why you're marrying Aida, though, because this is lit. <laughs> okay. You're right. Exactly right. <laughs> Rodimus is like, okay, fine, don't kill my man, I won't kill your people, but also I'm using you for a special purpose, which is to give me a bath. Right, great, awesome Rodimus. So next scene is Aida scrubbing him down. <laughs> I'm dead, okay, yes. But, this is great to know. And he, I mean, it's a power play, right? right. And she's, she's going along with it, but finally she's had enough. And she does her, like, crazy Heather Headley energy, and he immediately sits like an obedient dog. You know nothing, nothing about me. me. Okay, cool. So I mean, that's that moment. Right. So if that comes at you, you stop and yeah. you listen. I think that's the other thing about Heather Headley. It's that You it's stop that thing. And, and you, you listen. listen. Yeah. What else is there to do? Nothing. Adam Pascal doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> I, I think this kind of wakes him up a little bit. He's like, oh, right, this... He's like, oh, yeah. I guess you kind of feel bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, Egypt is really messing with your country. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, I'm not going to let you go, but I'm going to let you be the, the servant to my betrothed princess, yeah. Amneris. Thanks, uh, Because that's like a cushy job. Cutting me slack. Right? <laughs> so now they go to the palace so that she can start working for the princess. This dude, Marib, yes. who's a Nubian, meets her to take her to the princess. And he's like, wait, you're, you're a princess. You're literally the princess. <laughs> I'm a Nubian. I know I haven't been there for a while because I've been here being right. a slave. But I know who you are. And he sings How I Know You. That guy has a gorgeous voice. How I know you. You don't know me. Okay, now this is all making sense. This right? is so great for me right now. I'm this so is glad. clearing up the whole situation. Great. <laughs> So he takes her to meet Amneris. We meet Amneris now. And what was really cool about the original production is they had this really crazy um, forced perspective swimming pool. Okay. When you looked at the stage, 
you were looking at an overhead shot of a swimming pool. Okay, yes. So then they had a girl flying. Yes. Looking like she like was swimming, swimming in the swimming That's pool. That's so cool. And then Emneris like pops out of it and she's like, whew, nice little what a swim. swim. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a swim. Emneris is a clothes horse. She's kind of a spoiled, shallow princess. Right. And she's, like, okay with being that because that's all that's expected of her, right? right? So she's seeing Strongest Suit. Now, what's interesting is, like, this is right around the emergence of Paris Hilton. That's so funny. Do you think that she greatly influenced the character? I think that type of stereotype really becomes, I don't want to say celebrated, but certainly... uh, Well, yeah, celebrated. I mean, mean, that's the word for it. You know? So uh, t- to give a character like that a-, a bigger arc, I think, was probably considered actually pretty cool. Yeah. Although people do have a problem with Strong Suit. I actually just, think it's like some of the funniest so... lyrics, though. From your cradle via trousseau to your deathbed, you're on view. So never compromise except no substitutes. That's a pretty good I lyric. I would love to see—I mean, like, you know, because I, I haven't seen it, I would love to see an interesting— performance of it or mm-hmm. maybe like I'd love to to be able to actually watch the arc yeah what it feels what it fun. feels like to me is Elton though too where you know like Elton sometimes lives out his just like gay fantasies yeah like he wants to be in Amneris's closet for trying sure. on her shoes just like all the things yeah yeah for sure and so the more that I listen to the show the more I feel like if he could he would have written Amneris for himself <laughs> That's such an interesting idea. Sorry. Okay, so this, no, so strongest suit happens. They in the Broadway version, they had a runway with all of these women coming in the craziest costumes. Fashion, fashion, fashion. Yeah, but like, like Lady Gaga stuff, pre Lady Gaga, yeah. with boxes around your head, and cool. yeah, it was it was actually really really fun. I, I'm once again totally living for it. <laughs> um, after strongest suit. Aida and Amneris actually have a heart-to-heart. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I guess this is when they're talking about, like, her, her dad's. Dude. Yeah. Her dad's not doing well. Who's the pharaoh? Right. He seems to be ill. So she knows She's all this responsibility. She, oh, that's, to... oh, that's why. I'm sorry. That's why Rodimez is going to become the new pharaoh is because he's right. marrying Amneris. There you go. There you go. Oh, that's God. why. I don't, yeah. There it is. I don't know why I didn't she's... remember that. Because she's the daughter. The actual, yeah. Yeah. So she's upset about, you know, her dad being ill really nervous about, you know, taking over the responsibilities right. of that. She doesn't know anything. She's been spoiled. And and, and so there is kind of a self-awareness and a, a recognition that she is hiding behind the stuff, the, the, the stuff. materialism. Yeah. And Aida says, like, no, like, you, you have to believe that one day you're going to find something more profound than this. Yeah. You're a person, yeah. and I see you for being a person. Yeah. And Amneris feels seen for the first time. Well, Aida, once again. Yeah. Aida. Okay, I'm coming around now. Maybe Same. I want to marry Aida. Aida like, is like literally gagging everybody, everybody's <laughs> lives. Like, Everyone's oh. like, can I marry Aida? Yeah. <laughs> then we see Rodimez and his dad, Zozer. Okay. Now, I could not press skip faster. What is this song? What is this song? Another Pyramid. Build oh, it, another build Pyramid. It. This is the song where yeah. I thought I really liked this number and the in the theater. Oh, in the theater. This is the lighting moment. Mm-hmm. The choreography and the lighting were timed identically. Cool. So it was like, dun, 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 dun. And so it was lights, all happening lights, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Lights, lights, lights. Yeah. Cool. It was, 
But now I now I listen to it. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I always hated no that cares. song, but it's cool that it's like a lighting moment. It also yeah. makes me wish I saw the shit. Fair enough. Looking back, I think that the m- biggest problem with the show are the males. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because Rodimaze is whiny, and Zozer's just a bad guy. So do you think that Rodimaze is just not like um, developed enough? As vapid as Amneris is, yeah. At least there she's got something to like work a... against. The most interesting thing about Radames is Aida. Why do you think it ended up written like focused feminine? on the females? Yeah, I think that they are just ultimately the more interesting characters. And I mean, this goes for toxic or stereotypical masculinity. There's nothing really interesting about it, you guys. Well, yeah, yeah. Unless, this... unless it's a Gaston character and you right. mind it for comedy. Yeah, I think people thought. Well, he need, he needs to be the hot guy that the girls fight over, but we're all but we're all like, forget about the hot guy. Can we just get back to the yeah, two ladies? Yeah, let's see. Okay, yeah. That's... I don't know. That's kind of my feelings. <laughs> get him out of here. Get him out of here. It's that's true, it, that's... and that's and when I listen to the album, that's kind of what I do. Is where I'm like, all right, you're right, you're next. right. That's totally my experience as well. Like anytime Rodimaze was on there, I'd be like, all right, thanks all right. so much. Okay, another pyramid. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've went a little bit out of order, but that's okay. Now Radames and Aida have a moment together. Okay. And they're kind of talking about their goals and they actually realize that they're similar. Okay. Obviously, because they're both royalty and avoiding the responsibilities right. of it. The inevitability. The it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what Enchantment Passing Through is all about, is this moment cool. of like, oh, we're sharing the same things and why am I saying it to you of all people? Right. From there... Marib, our friend Marib, comes to Aida and says, hey, there's a whole camp of Nubian slaves. And I think, it would, be, I think it would be really great if you went and talked and to talk them. And talked to them and gave them like, spirit. Some, some moral yeah. courage, you know. And she's like, ah, but this like, is too much. Yeah. Not to mention I'm, like, feeling feelings for this dude. Right. But she goes. She goes to just shake hands, essentially. But then they turn it into this whole ritualistic thing. We've... Right. We've taken all of these scraps of cloth and have created a robe for you to wear because you are our queen. And throughout this song called Dance of the Robe, she grows up and says, "Okay, well, I need to lead these. I need to lead these people. I need to represent my home. I need to forget all of my fears. I need to forget all my insecurities and do this. And it's one of the coolest numbers I've ever seen in theater. To see her draped in that like that huge robe. What does the robe, robe look like? Like it, it was, it looked pieced it together. Patchy? Yeah, cool. patched with like netting and all sorts of things. And then they like lifted her up, and they're just like chanting Aida, and then she, and then she's like, "It's Aida." Yes. <laughs> oh, it is everything. Is everything. I honestly thought, oh, that's the end of the first act because it right, was that right. big of a number, and and it wasn't. But I think it makes perfect sense for the gods love new because like oh absolutely you know like to leave it on that hopeful like well also Nubia before more stuff has to happen too because right. they find out that her father has been taken captive the king right, of Nubia right. has been taken captive and so when that happens then now all, the entire camp has fallen victim to this hopelessness yeah and even though dance of the robe is her moment to declare herself as queen 
God's Love Nubia is her first opportunity to act like one. Yeah. And to do something about it. So, it make, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like the moment where she is soothing, where she is helpful, mm-hmm. you know? Before that, though, this whole Not Me sequence, which is a, another great song, they go into kind of a, a market, and Radames begins giving his valuables to the poor. Okay. After kind of listening to some of the things that Heather Headley, sorry, that Aida's Aida, been saying. Aida's been saying. <laughs> so he's giving of his things, and Aida takes the opportunity to look at that and be like, oh, wow. there's something else yeah. to this guy that I didn't realize. Maybe that I do have feelings, and maybe he's worthy of them. They kind of cement that deal through elaborate lives. It's a it's a great song, and they I love oh, it. and they sounded great. And this, they do you know what that it is interesting that Adam Pascal blends so beautifully with so Heather Headley beautifully because you could not have two. I think more it's like the roundness covers that, so mm-hmm. it's like it becomes this cacophony of goodness. Yeah. Oh, It's the concert moment you've been waiting for. It is. This whole show is the concert moment you've been waiting for. <laughs> Do you see how quickly I'm going through the script? Because it yeah. honestly doesn't matter. At some point, there's like a dinner scene, which I love a good dinner scene in a musical <laughs> because there's always some drama that goes down. The dinner scene in this show is so boring. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's not what, even, what happens in the dinner like they scene? Sit and like the pharaoh is there. Amneris' dad is there. And it's, I think when we realize that Zozer, Radames' dad, is the one who's poisoning. <gasps> He's like slowly poisoning the pharaoh so that he'll die he'll, and Radames becomes yeah. the king. I'm a little gagged by that, but it's not gaggy in the in the theater. Like he takes a drink of the wine or something and then is like, <laughs> oh no, something's happening. <laughs> Um, I think I'm going all out of order. It doesn't. It honestly <laughs> okay. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That, that, that's what I've been told. That, that's kind of <laughs> Here we are. kind of the awesome thing about this show. <laughs> so then Act Two starts, and in in the Broadway version, they had an actual triangle with lasers. Like they shot lasers to make a triangle. Cool. Because it's that's a love cool. triangle. Ooh. <laughs> but step too far is the song that they sing. Yes. Each one revealing once again exactly what they're thinking. This is, uh, yes, another concert moment we've been waiting for. It is. It's just so epic. Yeah, every song is epic. Yeah. They all sound amazing doing it. You get the right cast. And it's Liddy Boots. And it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never heard that one before. Liddy Boots? You Liddy heard Liddy Boots? No. Liddy Boots. <laughs> I don't even know where I got that one from, but people do say Liddy Boots. I buy it, and I like it. After Step Too Far, It's Easy as Life. Okay. Now, I thought this song was called Easy as Lie. Why? Oh, because you couldn't? I couldn't. Because she's giving you... Yeah. Yeah. As a lie. And then as there's a like... Lie. Yeah. As a lie. As a lie. And <laughs> That's so silly. It's not, though. It's called Easy as Life <laughs> with an F. And the reason that she sings that is because they sneak into the prison to see her dad. Okay. And in order to get him out, she needs to, like, betray Radames and kind of use yeah, her, her feminine her, her, while. Well, use her privilege of working within the palace to make the escape happen. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she's taking advantage of his kindness and double-crossing him in order to save the dad. Um, but let's look at how he literally has your family captured, captured. and your people so, like, hmm. Also, Radames doesn't know that she's princess. She's like, I love him. 
and he's going to find out all this stuff, and then we're not going to be together. <laughs> and so I won't have a boyfriend anymore. <laughs> so, she, so she sings a song about it because life isn't easy, right? Is what she's saying. <laughs> the metaphor of the the song, okay. easy as life. <laughs> Here's another great opportunity for uh, Heather Headley to freaking wow us all, and we're dead, just completely right. dead. Is th- is there another rule? I mean, like Alphaba. Yeah, Alphaba is crazy. Um, who else sings? But like down? this song, this show has so many songs. Mm-hmm. You do the Where first. You, have to. you do the first one, and then you're like, "Well, there's one, but I got seven more to go." Seven more treacherous ones. Yeah, like long high note at the end ones. Every time. Would you? Do you like doing those types of roles? Yeah, I just like. To, I love roles where I get to sing really? incessantly. Do you really? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. If I were doing this role, which I would not, just in case anyone thought. I would thought, turn it down. I would turn it down <laughs> because I'm a good person. I would do this role, but I would not do Alphaba. That Interesting. Yeah, that seems like my voice is not gone where you... after that. Interesting. Yeah. Eight shows a week of that? Yeah. Um, no, That's no, a no. It's a very specific voice type. Yeah, to do it and not hurt yourself. Sure. I mean, I know so many people who have hurt themselves doing it, and it's just like, you know. Not worth it. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, we're all dead. And then what's the next thing? Another song from Rodimaze and, and Zozer. And I'm like, skip. Oh, wait, which song is this one? Like Father. Oh, like my son. God. Literally, this is what I did. I literally skipped most of Rodimaze <laughs> stuff. <laughs> For sure. And in the in the Broadway version, all of the guards had these, like, staffs, yeah. you know, like Jafar <laughs> staff like... sort of thing. And they, like, turned them into a boxing ring. So then Radames <laughs> and Zozer were, like, circling each other yeah, like they were in the Disney. ring. I mean, at that point, the possibility of seeing a bad show on Broadway did not exist for me. Right. Everything was... Everything was fantastic. Yes. Civil War was the best thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> Civil War is the best musical that has ever hit Broadway, dear God. Um, but even even at that point, I remember like Father Like Son happened, and at the end of the number, I was like, eh, all right. It's like, what what's Some going snaps. on? What's going on with the ladies? <laughs> Can we get Amneris back Bring on stage? Bring back the ladies. <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> That's so funny. Radames writes a letter. Mm-hmm. And he sings a song about it called Rodimaze's Letter. Now, originally, this was Amneris's letter. Why was it switched to Rodimaze's letter? Because I, I think they thought he needed some help some... character wise, which they were oh. correct about. I just don't know if this gives him everything that they thought it would. Well, what does it reveal from what? How does this song go? They didn't even change the lyrics because Aida had a concept album that Eldon John put out before, yeah. kind of Android Weber style, yeah. to try and get everyone interested in the music. And Shania Twain sang this song, and it was called Amneris's Letter. Wow. And she actually Shania sounds pretty Twain. awesome. I love Shania Twain. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Who doesn't though? I've met some like Who's Shania Twain. Like, come on, like still the one I rent. <gasps> it's like one remember, of the best songs ever. Like <laughs> Absolutely. There there was a weekend, you know, sometimes on cable a a specific channel will do a free weekend. Yeah. And I remember I was flipping through channels one weekend, and I was like, oh, Epix is uh, suddenly part of my plan. 
And it was the Shania Twain filmed concert from Vegas. And I was like, I know you set your ass right there. I like. sure did. I was like, I know what I'm doing while I fold laundry for the That's next hour and a half. That's so funny. And it was, I got teary eyed because at one point she like brings a horse out. What? Like, wait, I'm literally about to be watching this tonight. Yeah, no. You you need to see Shania Twain on a horse singing You're Still the One I... She's on a horse literally singing the song? Yeah, doing, like, tricks with the horse. <laughs> it's so awesome. And everyone's applauding, and what I'm so proud saying? of the horse. Wait, she... Okay, literally, she is singing Still the One on a horse while doing tricks with the horse. Yeah, yeah like, the horse is doing complicated footwork. <laughs> you... Lie. This is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> That's really insane. It's a very talented horse. It's a very talented <laughs> woman. I'm all about it. Oh my gosh. How did I get on Shania? I don't know how we got. Oh, oh because she sang, she sang the Amneris' song. song. Yes. Amneris' letter, which is actually Rodimus' letter. letter. So but what is it saying? I don't even remember this. It's just song. basically saying, I'm sorry for being a, a douche. Oh, is it the one that ends, I love you? Yep, exactly. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it softens him a little bit. Yeah, it gives him some depth, yeah, I guess. And, and honestly, probably helps Aida a little bit about feeling guilty for double-crossing yeah, him, you know? because we need that. For sure. Oh, I think because she receives the letter, then she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Girl, I need you to pull up. Yeah, and Marib's like, you know what? I thought I know you. <laughs> But, but I, I don't, don't know, know you. <laughs> That's so funny. How I know you reprise. Exactly. There, there are we go. a gajillion reprises in the second act. You're clearing so much up for me right now. Then uh, comes the big ballad, Written in the Stars, which is interesting. Now that I think about it, it it's a lot like Greatest Showman, Rewrite the Stars. It's interesting that Written in the Stars and Rewrite the Stars are incredibly similar. Coincidence, I think not. I think not. <laughs> Where they're like, we could be together if this were a different lifetime. Right. Aida did it first. <laughs> so, you know, they're confessing their love for each other. And it's in this, like, beautiful garden setting with, like, a, a wall, like a brick oh, cool. wall. They're, like, on this side of the wall. Okay. So then they go off. And then Mneris comes around the corner. She's been here the whole time. And she's been hearing it the whole time. So she pissed. And what's interesting is that she doesn't get pissed. She's actually sad. But this moment is really beautiful because she, so she sings I Know the Truth. And all of her maids are dressing her in her wedding dress as she sings this song. Damn, Mneris. Yeah. So you feel bad for Amneris. These are two two people that she really feels a strong connection to. She's known Radame since she was little. They were were supposed to get married. And Aida has kind of awoken this new sense of of purpose in her. So she doesn't know what to do, but she she still has to get married. So she goes to her so she goes to her wedding. Wait, they still end up getting married? So they Radame's go, in her? So they yeah. She's going through with it. She's not gonna say anything because she doesn't want to get either of them in trouble. Right. And then their wedding is interrupted last minute by people saying, the Nubian king's escaping. They've found out about it. So then the wedding gets canceled while they, yeah. while they run to the docks to see if they can stop the king. Yeah. Aida and Merib and the king are all getting ready to go. But then, like, Zozer, like, the bad guy yeah. comes with Radames, and they're trying to stop him. Zozer hits Merib. 
mm-hmm. and wounds him fatally. And Aida's crushed. The king is like, I won't go without my daughter. Radame is like, cuts the lines and makes the boat go off stage. So, um, so he, he's like, Aida. She's left there. So like, she, so she's left shit. there because that was the only way to save him while mm-hmm. everything else was going on. The whole thing is discovered that you know they that they've been in cahoots. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> in cahoots. <laughs> yeah. And Marib dies. Does Amneris know that she's a princess until this point? No, nobody okay, so knows this that she's. Okay. This is the moment where they realize where that like, she's the princess. Yeah. Because of all of the treason and all of the lying. Oh, and then I think the pharaoh dies at some point. At some point, with see, all like this, this stuff. is this is soap opera. <laughs> it's giving you drama yeah. to the highest degree, which is why when you're in it, like you're, you're in, in it. it, you're like what? Because Give you're me just this popcorn. Yeah, you're just no. letting it wash over you. You don't have to think too hard. Right, right, right. Every vocal is stunning, right? And the story just kind of washes over you, and you're huge, yeah. too. So it's like, and yet somehow still more nuanced than the opera. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Zozer gets, you know, tossed out on his can. Uh, Radames can't become the king, pharaoh. become, become right. the pharaoh. So that means Amneris has to step up. Right. And so now her first decree, her first big major decision has to be about what to do with them. And they've committed treason. So death is inevitable. But her sign of mercy is that she allows them to be buried, buried together. together. Which... I mean, would also be against the law, right? right? For a Nubian and an Egyptian to be sharing a space. For a culture that believes that your burial space is incredibly sacred. Right. I mean, you look at those tombs, you're surrounded by lots of treasures to, for you to take with you into the afterlife or into the next life. So the idea that one of those treasures would be that person yeah. from another country is actually cool. is kind of beautiful. Yeah. So they're so they're buried Rich. alive. But then they did this really cool thing where they kind of did an iris close yeah. as the tomb was being right, buried, buried. Right, right. The iris came in Close. and That's was closing cool. until they were gone. Yeah. And and it was acted so well because like they they were acting as though they couldn't see each other right. and feeling each other's faces. It was directed really well, in my oh, opinion. That's so and this was, I think, another thing that Robert Falls did was change the entire ending because it used what to be. Was it? If you look at the on the concept album, and there is some footage from like a pirated video in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It it was this whole song called "The Messenger" about how death isn't the end; it's just the messenger of where to go from here. Right. And it was this really long song that. Aida and Radames would sing together, and then Amneris would come and take it over, and then everybody would appear on stage mm-hmm. in, in with Aida and Radames in the back, appearing like in From front of everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And it and it's not good. <laughs> they wisely cut that number completely. Right. Just did the the reprise of uh, Enchantment passing through, and then as they are buried completely. Amneris comes out and finishes up her story, which is that the love of these two people radiated from the earth and Mm -hmm. created an era of peace peace. between the two countries. And then all of a sudden we're shifting back into the museum 
And she talks about how it's a love that will never die, and she gets back into her place. And now we're seeing, once again, the modern-day day Aida. Aida and Radames meeting each other, finally, in a way that they could be together. Cool. And then that's how the show ends. That's lovely. It was, and I immediately <laughs> leapt to my feet. Both. I have not given a faster standing ovation I in my that. life. I love that. Now, they were going to make a film version with really? Beyonce and uh, Christina Aguilera, and I'm it didn't good. happen. It's, that's fine. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Can you imagine Beyonce? Like, no, no, I can't. And I love me some Queen Bee, but like, no. Would you want a film version? Hell yeah, I would love that. To show my kids? I think it would because actually I... work really well in some sort of filmed version. I think it would work better, because it just seems like... It, a, the environment of ancient Egypt just, mm-hmm. like, you know, calls for budget. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is a simple story, but there there seems to be so many locations within the palace. So, like, I think it would behoove itself to be on film. And honestly, sometimes I find those make even better films mm-hmm. because if the material is really sophisticated, you can't blow it up very much. Right. You know, if it's two people communicating... Sondheim lyrics, you can't really do anything else with the camera right. or the setting you than kinda, that communication. Right. If someone is just having all of these thoughts and they're spilling out like, you know, a conscious stream of consciousness right. that's pouring out, you can have them doing whatever. Right. It gives so much room for so many different visuals. Go for a walk. Go for, you know, you can right. do anything. Yeah, and like like stuff like My Strongest Suit, that could use some movie magic. That would be insane. Yes. We all, we love a great fashion montage. Yes. Yeah, it would be a really cool movie. So uh, that's Aida. <laughs> that is Aida. You did such a great job of explaining the whole story. Oh, my gosh. I I'm feel so... like I was there. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm so grateful you were here. Well, what I will say is that I think that the message we can take away from this show is one of unity and love and Love over opulence. Love over opulence. Yeah. Also, just humanity being one. I mean, it's... Yeah, we need to simplify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to simplify. I think so. And I think we I think we can stand for that message a little bit more. Hell yeah. Cool. It's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. Easy, easy as, as long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, if you have any suggestions for shows that we cover here on a musical theater podcast, you can email me at a musical podcast at gmail.com. Also, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a musical podcast. For all things Brittany Campbell, how do we follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Brittany Campbell Music or just check me out on BrittanyCampbell.com. And you can also find all of her stuff on Spotify, which I have listened to. Her oh, mean yes. video is really sick. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's awesome. It looks so good. And uh, what should our tagline be for this episode? Uh, Shania on a horse. <laughs> Shania on a very talented horse. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.